Hello and welcome to Everyday Sublime. This is your host, Josh Summers, and it's a deep honor to have you here with me today. This podcast is an endeavor, my endeavor, to explore what I try to call a full-spectrum spirituality, and that's a spirituality that includes kind of the, the bright, positive, illuminated aspects of our being and the deeper, darker, shadowier, if that's a word, the more shadow aspects of our being and uh, attempts to, I attempt here to meditate upon in these episodes often a way of practicing, of cultivating a spiritual practice that honors both sides and, and seeks to integrate and unify them. Okay, so this episode marks the beginning of a new season. Um, I'm just coming back from a self-retreat staycation at home with Terry, where we uh, really explored aspects of a, a deep integral life practice. Um, which is, again, which not something I'll be talking more about on this podcast, but the idea of an integral life practice is that uh, the practitioner selects, selects ways of training the various levels of their being. So there would be a training for the body, and that could include strength training and yoga. There would be uh, trainings for the energetic body or the subtle body, and that also could include yoga or qigong or breath work. And there will be uh, trainings for the mind, particularly the psychological aspect of our being. And uh, one of the ones that I use for that now primarily is journaling. And I'll have more to say about that in coming episodes. Um, and then, of course, there's the level of our awareness, the, the, the cognitive level of our being. And that's what I think meditation is primarily focusing on developing. So we really soaked up a variety of these practices and we're enjoying figuring out how to cobble together our own optimal version of an integral life practice. And as I said, over in, in coming weeks, I'll probably speak more about this and um, offer suggestions for how you might start to design your own. But um, in this episode, what I want to do is kick off a series of solo casts I'm going to be giving throughout the fall. And the idea behind uh, this series of solo casts is that these will be short, shorter than normal episodes, but short meditative reflections and suggestions for practice around the, the reflections I give. Um, and I'd like you to think of them like a musician might think about a musical etude. So, you know, a, a little study of, of a musical idea or musical phraseology or rhythmic pattern. The musical etudes teach the musician um, sort of key components of musical expression. And with this idea of meditational etudes, you know, the, the, I want to offer tools, techniques, approaches that um, can help you navigate some of the inner terrain or the experiences that unfold over the course of meditation, help you navigate those, those experiences in a more creative way. So we'll be using tools, but not being driven or defined by what the tools are supposed to be doing, meaning we, we use tools intelligently, selectively, when they creatively feel appropriate and and useful to the context and not just blindly using them as kind of rote, uh, mechanical activities that we have to perform when we meditate. And so that, hopefully that will become clearer as I go throughout the, um, the series. But uh, really one, one way to look at the series is that I'll be moving through 
both yin and yang applications of meditation approaches um, with all these various etudes. So uh, I hope you will follow along with me and consider this to be kind of a, an informal version of a weekly meditation course that I'll be distributing for the next several months. And of course, in addition to these meditative exercises that I'll be distributing, um, I'll also continue to publish uh, a, an in-depth interview at least once a month with one of my distinguished guests. So um, there's a lot coming up this season, and I'm very happy to be both refreshed, rejuvenated, and back with you. But one final note before I give you today's talk, if you would like to practice online with me and Terry, we both... Uh, invite you to join us in our online practice community. What we call, in short, we call it the Sangha, but uh, the specific name of our Sangha is the River Bird Sangha. We offer a tiered uh, structure for membership, um, and we, we also offer free membership to those that, that uh, are in fan financial need and would like to participate. Um, and it, with the membership, you get free access to our four live classes a week, which include meditation, yin yoga, qigong, and yang yoga. And you also receive full access to all the recorded classes and workshops that we keep in our, stored in our library, our on, online archive. So it's a really, um, it's becoming a very rich practice environment. And we are both very pleased with how the, the community is developing and growing and learning and sharing together. So if you'd like to join us, please do that. There's a link for you, you in the show notes on how you can go forward with that. And now, without further ado, I bring you today's talk, Metta, Vipassana, and Creativity. Okay, in today's talk, I would like to give a broad overview of three interrelated or interconnected capacities that get developed over the course of a meditative or spiritual path. And it should be said that these interrelated capacities that I'll be speaking about are um, they're very broad and they include many styles and techniques and different uh, approaches to meditation that I've seen and experienced and practiced over the years. Um, and so th in some ways, what these three capacities connect are uh, different developments or different uh, growth lines, or lines of being that develop and grow over the course of a, of a practice. And um, I just like to lay these three out and then speak about them each a little bit and um, give you a sense of the practices that are attendant or that connect or support each of these capacities. And then in future uh, talks, I'll, I'll be exploring and opening up each of them and giving more specific instructions and, and suggestions for how to work with each aspect here. But from the beginning, if I were to step back and just talk to a friend, say, over coffee about what is going on in meditation, like why would there be um, a compelling reason to practice? What is the, the direction or development that, that occurs over the course of a practice? If I were to try to answer some, a question like that, I might say to my friend, hey, look, okay, there, there are three broad dimensions of your being that get developed uh, in the course of a meditative journey. 
And those three broad interrelated capacities or developments include the first being the relational aspect of our being, i.e., how do we relate to ourselves, to others, and in general to our experience of life? Is our relationship infused with habitual reactivities? Are we constantly just responding in a knee-jerk way to things? Um, is there a lot of aggression, reactivity, irritability, conflict, contention in our life, in, in our relationships? So that's, that's one dimension that the practice would hope to develop kinder, gentler, more compassionate ways of relating. And so that's where often in Buddhism you hear this expressed in the practices of loving-kindness practice, or more broadly, sometimes you hear the, the, the phrase, the Brahma Viharas, which refer to the divine abodes, which are four uh, immeasurable qualities of the heart that include loving kindness, but also compassion, joy, and equanimity. So there's, as I'll be exploring over the next several lessons, there's going to be yin and yang ways of developing our relationship to our experience. And, and, and that from developing the relationship to our experience, that will uh, grow into a developed and more evolved relationship with ourselves and others. So that's the first development in meditation. That, and it's, or the first, I shouldn't say it's, it's the first in terms of an order. This could, these can be approached in any order in some ways. But there's a, the, the one third of the path involves a relational exploration or exploring our relationship to things and a refined development of our relationship to things so that's what i refer to as the relational side of the the relational third of the path but after the relational side or or interrelated i should say with the, with the relational side is the perceptual aspect of the path the perceptual aspect of the practice and this is where we really can refine and clean or or purify our lens of perception, meaning our awareness or attention or consciousness, but we refine the lens of perception to see and perceive things more clearly. And and one of the ways that that clearer perception is defined is that the perception is less and less clouded by the reactivity I was just mentioning in the relational side. So when there's a lot of reactivity uh, kind of clouding our attention, clouding the lens of our perception, that colors the way we see the world we're in or see the dynamic that we're in. So learning to see clearly, uh, which is often uh, kind of exemplified in the practice of Vipassana. Vipassana is the Pali word from Buddhism that literally means to see clearly. Um, with Vipassana, we develop this ability to see Sounds as sounds, sensations as sensations, thoughts as thoughts, feelings as feelings, etc. And in that clear scene, another development that occurs is that we start to see in a different way the process of our experience, meaning how do things arise together, how do things condition each other, how do uh, things behave within the uh, flow of our stream of consciousness. And uh, one simple way I try to talk about observing the process of our experience is that it's a little bit like stepping backstage to a play, where when you step, or I should say, when you're sitting in the audience and looking upon the stage, watching and listening to the characters play, the, play out the drama of the performance, this is where you, the viewer, tend to 
get lost in the story, per se. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's why you pay your price of admission. But if it's a good play, you get sucked in and lost into the story. But one, another way of observing the same experience would be to step backstage. And when you step backstage, you see how the whole play is constructed, how the actors and actresses and take on their costumes, take them off, re prepare their lines, how the backdrop and the, the, uh, the atmosphere of the stage is, is established. You see that all that whole construction from the back of the stage, and that gives you a very different way of understanding the same experience. And I would say that there's a development in the meditation, particularly when our perceptual lens becomes very clear, that in the meditation we're able to start to see our own uh, self as a constructed process. And when we start to see that, it, it really breaks up the deeply intuitive sense that there's a core permanent me riding around in the middle of our experience to which all experience is happening. And that's that gets into the philosophical, uh, one of the main philosophical tenets of Buddhism of anatta or non-self, to see this the insubstantial selflessness of all experience. And if you haven't gotten to this point in your own perceptual development, it's very hard to make sense of statements like I just said. And people love to get into kind of philosophical arguments about this, but the the path isn't so much a an exercise of like critical philosophical development as it is about deeply understanding the nature of experience, first and foremost subjectively, and in directly contacting the truth of the way your experience is constructed gives you the intuitive, direct, subjective insight into the statements I just made. So this is the, the another third, the second third of meditative developments or skills or capacities that are grown over the course of a meditative journey. We have the relational, how, we're, how are we relating to things, to our experience, to each other and ourselves. We have the perceptual, how are we able to see the content of our experience and really start to understand the process of how uh, our experience is constructed? And the, and the two practices that really support the relational and perceptual are the cultivation of the Brahma-viharas, or, or maybe specifically metta, loving-kindness practice, and for the perceptual, vipassana, developing uh, and emphasizing the aspects of clear seeing. If you think of these two interrelated processes or developmental capacities uh, on the archetypical level, uh, or think of the archetypes that might be activated within these capacities, on the relational side, I see the archetype of the lover. How much are you able to love yourself, others, and life? On the capacity of perception, clear perception, I see the archetype of the seer or the, the mystic, how deeply can you see into the true nature of your experience? And both of those are, are, are very mutually supportive, uh, interrelated energies on the path. But the third, third, or the, the third aspect of developmental capacity that I see unfolding on the, on the spiritual journey is what I refer to as the meaningful, but it really is it's the, the process of meaning-making how we derive meaning in our lives. And, and this meaning is 
uh, at least the way I approach it and, and, and try to share reflections around it, this meaning is creatively derived from your own exploration and ongoing uh, familiarity and understanding of who and what you are and who and what you are in relationship to the context and world that you're in. Um, so this is the meaningful side, the, the, the process of, of creatively constructing a meaningful life. I think this process uh, combines the energies of the archetypes of the poet and the philosopher, among others. So with poetry, there's really uh, an appreciation of aesthetics and beauty and, and, and how just that, the, the, the awakening of an aesthetic sense, enriches a sense of meaning, meaningfulness in one's life. And, and that blends naturally and, and segues effortlessly into philosophy. And that could involve the, exploring the philosophies of others and in a process of receiving and, and integrating philosophies of others that you explore and, and expose yourself to, that starts to shape and, and become integrated in your own self as a living expression of the synthesized philosophy, if that makes sense. So uh, the tools for this, this meaning-making process, I think, really come through in accessing more and more of our subconscious, accessing more and more of our aesthetic creative sides of ourselves. And, and these can be explored both in meditation and the yoga journey, but also specifically through the creative arts and, and, and as I mentioned earlier, journaling. So that's the broad overview of these three interrelated capacities that I think get developed over the course of a meditative contemplative life or a contemplative path. Once again, they are the relational, how, how are we able to relate to ourselves, our life, and others from the, 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 the immeasurable dimensions of love, compassion, joy, and equanimity. The second capacity is the, the development of the perceptual lens. How clearly are we able to see what's occurring, understand what's occurring, and specifically start to understand how our experience is constructed in a very, very deep structural way at the, in, in the mind. And, and, and how do both of these, the, the optimized relational side, the optimized perceptual side, how do these uh, support us in meaning making in our life, in our brief and very precious human life? Okay, so I hope you enjoyed today's talk, and going forward, I really look forward to sharing with you this series of meditative etudes, small, easy-to-practice work with, and easy-to-work-with meditation suggestions to help broaden, deepen, and fill out your range of meditative skill sets. These will be coming to your uh, podcast feed about once a week on, I think I'm on Monday schedule publishing, so stay tuned for next Monday. And in the meantime, if you'd like to practice with me and Terry, do check out uh, how to join our Sangha, where you can practice weekly in our meditation, yin yoga, yang yoga, and qigong classes, as well, of course, as having access to our deep and uh, expanding library of recorded classes, workshops, tutorials, and other goodies in that, in that library. Okay, until next time, stay safe, 
stay healthy. I know that everyone's struggling a lot right now with Delta variation and all the Michigas that continues to kind of simmer and bubble and boil throughout the world. Um, we're all in this together. Stay strong, stay safe, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.